Hey, great to see you, and welcome to TED Ed Talks. You're joining me, your host, Chris Parker, through a journey of education, stories, culture, technology, gadgets, and all that jazz. This is podcast episode two on December the 21st, 2018. And in today's podcast, we're joined by Mr. Lars Jefferson and Mr. Michael Skillen, talking about music, technology, and Christmas. And if this is the first time you're joining TED Ed Talks, why not subscribe to our podcast at tededtalks.com. Enjoy. Hey, and welcome back to TED Ed Talks, the podcast that brings you everything about education, technology, and China, international communities, and so on. So today we are joined by Mr. Lars. Say hello, Lars. Hi. And Mr. Mike. Hello, everyone. And today's topic, we're going to be talking about music. So I am joined by two experienced, overly qualified music teachers who teach here at Xi'an Lajiatang International School in Xi'an, China, who teach music. They teach music to international students. Uh, they teach bands, singing, dancing. I, I mean, they, they, they do the whole works. And today we're, we're going to be talking with them about four questions about music, technology, and all that jazz. So let's uh, let's have a, a small introduction from both of them. So Lars, let's start with you. Introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you. Okay, um, my name is Lars Jefferson. Um, I'm from the United States. Uh, currently reside in Oregon, in the small town of Albany. Um, Woohoo! Yay, Albany. Um, I've been teaching overseas. This is my 10th year. I had two years in Shanghai, five in Busan, Korea, and this is my third year here in Xi'an. That's fantastic. Well, wow, that's a lot. I didn't realize it was uh, that, that long time. Yep. Wow. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. And how about, how about you, Mike? Uh, my name is Michael Skillern, and I just moved here about a month ago from the southern United States. I was living in Atlanta at the time. Uh, yeah, and I've been here for just over 30 days or so. <laughs> yeah, so very interesting. Nice, nice. All right, well, uh, let's let's jump into the questions here. So this is a technology education podcast, so we're going to start off with the first question with a technology question, is what kind of technology do you use when teaching or using music? So, Mike, we're going to pass this question over to you first. Yeah, I think we definitely do a lot of recording. And I, uh, I guess at the surface level, that's a technology use, right? We do a lot of recording that lets kids just listen back to what they've done. I think in the future, we're going to start using a lot more GarageBand, especially since we have so many Macs at the school. And letting the kids do a little bit of production, teaching them how to record as well. Nice. So garage, well, why GarageBand? Is it just because of the Apple yeah, I think it's mostly because of the access and it's easier and Logic is kind of like a B-level industry standard. So if they do continue and learn Logic after that, like that would be useful if they were to make a career out of it. Nice, nice. How, how about using iPads? Is, is iPads ever in your radar where you can use like things like iMovie or GarageBand on the iPad? I've actually never had an iPad before. Oh, wow. I've, wow. I guess I've just never owned one, but I guess I have the phone. I could look at that too. But I've never thought about that. It's great. It's great. You should get me an iPad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well uh, NYP will will soon be getting plenty yeah. of iPads. Okay. So uh, they'll be accessible like one for. To one. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They they will. Yeah, yeah. So how about you, Lars? Technology and music. Well, to speak about the iPads for um, the uh, uh, GarageBand access, 
I actually prefer the interface on it because it's really intuitive. It's just drag and drop, push go, and it does it. Um, and I did that with uh, third and fourth graders years ago. And if little guys can do it, then of course our guys should be able to do it. So the interface is a lot better, in my opinion, for GarageBand on um, iPads. Um, another thing that was that we introduced this year, um, now that we have Microsoft 365, is um, we have the um, 365 notebook. And so, like Michael said, we're taking our recordings, I'm taking videos, and we're able to share them in that platform. And the students, as part of their um, formative and summative assessments, are looking at those videos and making comments about it and you know, um, critiquing their own work. Nice. So, so Office 365 is becoming a big tool in your mm -hmm. department then? Yes. Um, I, you know, me personally, I, I love Office 365. I think it's a great tool. And for a lot of schools, very, very much underutilized. Yeah. Is that it, there's so many features to it, and I think teachers are, are scared to touch or just explore. Though I, I think it's also a time-based thing, trying to learn it first. Right. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think teachers just need to jump in and just play with it, and then. It's so easy. Which is exactly how I I, I did it. And what what's nice for me is that there's no more collection of paper. There's no more. Um, uh, getting things in multiple formats, people airdropping it to your to your computer or on a thumb drive. Um, the students, there's a huge learning curve right now in our school because it's new, and um, the students are learning it. The teachers are unique, are, are learning it, but um, I myself and Mr. Skillern have sort of made it sort of the standard for music that they need to start using this for stuff as we get away from older forms of submitting assignments. Right, absolutely. I, I think in today's age, any department using paper today is it's just crazy. Right. It's, I mean, we've got iPads, we've got laptops, every student's got their own own phone. I mean, you can just send things so quickly and share things so quickly that using USBs, using using paper, you know, printing things out. I mean, if you've got sheet, like music sheets, right. I guess, I, I think, you know, that's still important if people need that. But I mean, even in modern day orchestras, you're seeing people now using putting an iPad on the, on the mm -hmm. stand instead yeah. of paper. I've always you know? been so, this doesn't make sense, I know, but I'm always afraid that something with the foot pedal it's just not gonna work. And I'm gonna try to turn the page and it's not gonna turn. But I think that that's not founded in anything. I think that's just me being- Right, right, yeah, yeah. But that's that's what it is. And that goes back to other teachers is that that fear or that uncertainty yeah. is, it's just not gonna work. I'd like work. to turn the pages on the music, yeah. but one yeah, day yeah. I will try it and it will probably work. Right, yeah. but, but if you then look at a financial side of things, like one, you're saving trees, no paper, right? So I guess that's an eco-friendly thing. You're not printing, you're not wasting ink or printers or paper. Yeah. But then with technology, I mean, you buy one iPad, you you put a book on there, you can just share the book Forever. or share the page to the whole school with everybody. And I mean, if schools aren't going down this route or they're not investigating this, I mean, it's a serious loss yeah. um, because yeah. That's that's the well, future. There, well, there are there are two things though. Um, like you know, at college, universities, and stuff, they've gone with ebooks and and things like that. And the publishers, you know, um, these days are trying to are are getting kind of pushed out of the equation. So I don't know if publishing is going to go by the way of, as we understand it now, going to go by the way of the dodo, or if it's just going to have to reinvent itself and charge people massive amounts of money to to um, 
you know, get get their hands on music or or books or whatever. But you, you mentioned an, an interesting point, and I, I'm going to rain on your parade here with the um, eco-friendly. But is an iPad necessarily eco-friendly? There's a lot of heavy metals. Yeah, no, the, you're absolutely the right. A lot yeah. of what we would consider today conflict minerals that go into making the iPad. So is it is it really, you know, that eco-friendly or that society friendly? Um, also, another thing um, about the cloud storage. We love cloud storage, but how eco-friendly is cloud storage with the amount of power generated and stuff that we have to do to keep these clouds running? So I, I think they're 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 as the pendulum goes between both ways, we kind of kind of weigh the cost and benefits of both. Right, I, I do agree. I, I think to some extent. Yeah, no, you're right. There's no real argument. Every size goes is, is two two coins. I actually know size. a guy that works at a, a, I guess it's a database place in Texas, and it's him, another guy, and a janitor, and pretty much all they do is just sit in this very cold building that just has. I think it's like a Facebook building or from some large company, and it's just like about an acre of just basically hard drives, I guess. Yeah, yeah. With that's just data. And horrible. they don't actually do anything with the data. They just, I guess, make sure the power's still yeah, on yeah, and make yeah. sure it's running. I, I mean, these things run themselves. That's like all of our information's inside them. Right, right, right. Um, absolutely. So, yeah, the eco-friendly thing, that, I, I mean, that could be another podcast by itself, yeah. right? right? Yeah. We could really delve into that. But we are going to go into the second question. So the second question here is... Um, over-engineering music. So we hear a lot of music, a lot of new music artists who use a lot of technology to basically over-engineer the production quality of what it really sounds yes. like. So I mean, like if you go back, let's say 40 years and listen to you know a vinyl record or something, that was a real recording. People in the studio with one microphone with their, their guitar, whereas today everything's digitalized, isn't it? Everything's put through a computer or a filter or, you know, so that's what we're gonna touch on. So Lars, let's start with you. How do you feel about this? Um, I think in a way it's, it's kind of cheapened music a lot because part of the music experience is still going to, to a concert live and hearing people perform. And you look at these performers and stuff, they're not performing live. It's all, it's on the, you know, they're, they're making their money over the internet, they're making their money uh, virtually over, you know, selling albums and whatnot. But, you know, if you ask them, you know, come to our school and perform live, I don't think as many could do it these days because it's it's so over engineered um, I got an appreciation for this I knew a, a guy growing up who actually played in Benny Goodman's orchestra back way back in the day and Benny Goodman was a taskmaster and they would play one chart until they got it right and if they've had one mistake even at the end they had to go back and do it again because when you go into the recording studio you know back Back in the day, or, or, or even now, you, you're, you're paying for the time, and people are paying for quality, so there's got to be that, that sense of perfection, but I think where, where we've lost that is where an uh, engineer can add some auto-tune, or you know, play with the, the rhythms and, and stuff. And just it was to, much harder to cut up. Yeah. You had to do it in one take. You, you had, had to, to do it in one it take, in yeah, shots. you had to do it in one take, and now, now you can just like go and create, you know, record a bunch of samples and the engineer puts it together and, and sells an album. So I think we've lost something as humanity by by relying on somebody else to create our art for us. Mm. 
I think it's really similar to, I read an article saying how the iPhone cheapened photography and basically they put, you know, a high caliber DSLR in everybody's hands when before you had to be a real photographer to have a camera of that quality. Yeah. Or and now I think that. it's yeah. right. So now I think it's the same thing. Like every kid with a MacBook has a good, decent music production software built in. So it's it's kind of like being a musician or being a music producer is not as coveted a term as it used to be. Technically, everybody with a MacBook can be a music producer because they have all the necessary software right there. And I think Mr. Jefferson and I both come from playing classical music, which is, you know, focused on spending years perfecting how to make a sound on your instrument. So it's just kind of hard for us to grasp the concept of just doing it on the computer when we spent so much time and money trying to learn how to do it physically. Uh, it's just an odd concept to get around, mm. uh, that idea. But I think it's kind of akin to the same argument with the iPhone and photography. I suppose the art form maybe has been diluted in a way, but the other side of that is now there's a million people making music when there before was maybe just 100,000, which I suppose right. is Yeah, Right. So there's cost and benefits. And I mean, you could even make the argument one way or the other that, you know, go back a hundred years where recording, you know, recording music fundamentally changed the art because before if you wanted to go hear it, you actually had to physically go to a place and hear people. And so it was really special and then somebody puts it on a recording and now they could sell it and then it became radio. So, you know, I. I don't know, you know, it's kind of the chicken or the egg. Did commercialization uh, make music what it is, or did technology make music what it is, or is it a case of both? But to bring, to bring it back, you know, there, to me there's a supreme satisfaction in getting a recording right when, you, when you've worked on it, and it's like, okay, I've done my best, I'm submitting this, and I'm done, I'm happy with it. Um, and I just think it, it cheapens you if you're just going to say, oh, I'm just going to do sort of a hack job here and I'll let my engineer fix it. I'm not, I'm not dissing the engineer at all. That's a whole set of skills right there. But it's like a matter of pride in your personal um, craft. Mm. Yeah, no, I, 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 do, I do agree. Uh, though I'm not going to say I don't enjoy modern music that has a lot of auto-tune. I mean, a lot of artists today, a lot of music videos, it's just all auto-tuned pretty much. Um, so, but I still enjoy the music. However, when um, it, it must have been about five years ago, I remember I went to Shanghai and I went to a live blues club, and it was it was amazing. Like the guys up there playing real instruments, like real jazz blues yeah. music, and like the the emotion you get. Like I mean, I could listen to the same music on a CD or be in that bar listening to the exactly. same music. The feeling, yeah. the the emotion that you get. Is completely different. Th though you can get emotional listening to a, your favorite song at home, but the feeling that you get when you go to a live concert, a live show—it's—it's it's, it's it's different. Right, yeah, absolutely, different. absolutely. Well, and and I experienced this. You know, when I um, graduated from university, um, I got into a uh, local band, and they did. Uh, we would just play swing tunes and all sorts of whatever it was they wanted us to play. We would play it. Um, at the beginning of that, I was gigging two or three times a month, and people were having us for weddings, bar mitzvahs, parties, whatever. But then this thing called the DJ came along, and you know this electronic music has kind of—I don't know—it's—it's it's stolen. I'm not so mad about the 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 um, 
like the lack of work that musicians get because of this. But I think it's like we're cheapening ourselves by when you when you go to and having a DJ or you know recorded music. You know, yeah, you get exactly what you want. But there is something, like you said, Chris, when you're sitting in front of a band, when you're sitting in front of an orchestra, there's that physical part of the sound that I, that still cannot be replicated by any speaker that we have. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. It, let's take a wedding. A wedding is a good example. A lot of DJ weddings, right? You know, you go to a wedding, they have the, the, the dinner after, then there's a DJ. Or you go to someone who's put money into it. And I, you know, DJs can be expensive, but... A wedding that has a band. It's a completely dis different atmosphere, right? Yeah, it's you know? better. Yeah, I mean, it right? is better. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. All right. So um, that's our first two questions. So we're just going to take a short break right now. So uh, stay tuned and uh, we'll see you back after the break. Thanks. This podcast is brought to you by Xi'an Liajiatong International School, providing excellent international IB education. Xi'an Liajiatang International School is the first IB international school in Xi'an and with over 150 teachers and staff and more than 20 different nationalities, XLIS is leading the way in international education. To find out more or to arrange a visit, go to xalis.com and one of their friendly administrative staff members will be in touch. Hey and welcome back to part two of um, episode two podcast. We've been joined by Mr. Lars and Mr. Mike, who are music geniuses experts. I, I mean, they, they know a lot more than me about this topic, and that's why we're doing this topic. So not only I can learn, but you can learn. So we've got two more questions. Uh, the, the the third question that we're going to go into is teaching international students in an international community music and what it's like and the challenges that that come from that. So. Uh, Mike, we're going to start off with you this time for, for this question. So how does it feel teaching international students in an international community, teaching both music and instrument playing, creating a band? Um, uh, it, I like it. I think it's interesting. I think it's challenging. But, you know, we, they always call music the universal language. So I think we actually may have an easier time delivering instruction than, let's say, a chemistry teacher. Since you're, I feel like the only way you can teach chemistry is almost by speaking or by using some type of written language, but we do a lot of singing, you know, on syllables that are not language-based, like anyone can say la, ta, tu, di, anyone can say those syllables. Um, music is the same, it's written the same system of music is used in every country as for Western classical music as far as I'm concerned, so that makes it a lot easier. But I think it has its own challenges, but I think it would be much harder to teach the other subjects in this setting than to teach music, definitely. I'm trying to figure out which of the kids cannot understand what I'm saying and which <laughs> ones are just bluffing. Cause I think I'm getting tricked a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the kids are talking about me, but I don't know. It's kind of like in the US, there's a thing like you go to a nail salon or something and people are always afraid that the workers are talking about them. But I think it's a little bit of an ego thing. They're probably just talking about something else. So I'm trying to just figure that out. Right, right. Because in students' mind, everything is less important than the, the right. movie that they watched last night, right? Or something. Right. So. Well, I guess more for me, I'm thinking how I used to badmouth my teachers. <laughs> except these students can badmouth me right to my face. And I just have to sit there. 
but I'm, they're probably not doing it. No, I'm sure they're probably not. not. I'm sure they're not. We, you know, the school's got pretty good students. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure. And if they are talking about you, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like all the things like, what a handsome teacher this school just got, right? We love what how smooth his head is today. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, but that's great. So overall, like teaching the international children, like, mm-hmm. you know, just what you said, it's, it's good. It's a good challenge. You know, yeah. things aren't easy, but it's it's an enjoyable, like, rewarding challenge that, really that like you get it. from music. I never thought I would. I mean, a year ago, I never thought I would be here in China teaching music. So it's still a little bit of a dream to me sometimes. Uh, just looking outside and thinking, wow, like this is not the U.S. This is China. But I'm having a great time. I think the students here are all have the capacity to complete some really great work, um, and we're just finding creative ways to get them to do it. Nice. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. Yeah, that's really good. I like that. Lars, how about you? Um, yeah, I can, I can sympathize with Michael. With the uh, this is my tenth year, as I said earlier, overseas, and you know, growing up and 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 whatnot. Um, I never thought that this would be the life that I, I would have. Um, no, but ten years ago, um, for various reasons, I, I made the jump, and you know what? I'm not going back. Um, but as far as teaching internationally, you know what? Uh, good teaching is good teaching, whether it's in the United States or in the in the Gobi Desert or wherever you happen to be. There, there's just you know. There, there is a thing called good teaching. Um, the one thing that I've noticed though, and then this is my 10th year in Asia, uh, especially for music, is because music really isn't taught um, to our population um, from the uh, public or the, the school systems they come from in Korea or China. And um, I, I think where, where that's really good is that because they are finally exposed you know, to, to um, one of the, um, how do I say it, subjects or the areas that really make us human, which is music. And, and uh, music is history, it's art, it's science, it's literature, it's everything. And, I, and um, so it's really good that they do get that exposure. Um, and also I'm, I'm kind of proud of the, the fact that, you know, the school has supported us in, in getting instruments and whatnot because um, I know if we didn't have them, the students wouldn't do it uh, because if they go home, they're not going to have that opportunity or they go back to their old school system, they won't have that opportunity. Mm. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, proud of, of that fact that we're giving them an experience that um, they might get it for just two and a half years or five years or whatever, but it's going to be an experience that will live with them for forever right right absolutely and part of that experience is the appreciation with it as well yes. is that when when you know kids they see they see their favorite singer or whatever play a guitar play some drums now i love this guy but when you say oh, have a go you know here's a guitar try it you know instantly they're shocked that right. there's that yes. fear and instantly they've got another level of respect for that famous person exactly. playing that that guitar and i absolutely agree i, I think more schools should be using music and um, i mean i love music and I, as a child and i'll tell you a hidden secret here i used to play the violin yeah, yeah. Now I've not. Is coming soon. Yeah, yeah. Now I've not played the violin in 20 years. Oh, Shame so, on you. I know, but, but I do play the guitar. I love playing okay, the guitar. So I, I am a guitar player. Um, and actually, all most of my family, I, I guess, were kind of directed by our parents to learn and play an instrument. Like my brother plays the piano, and and you know, I really am grateful for having that opportunity. Where now. 
I can go to someone's house and as long as they've got a guitar and th hey. this is where it becomes difficult now is because I'm left-handed I use a left-handed mm. guitar and mm. um, so they're pretty rare but I also learned to play guitars upside down mm -hmm. because not everyone has a left-handed guitar so I could pick up a right-handed guitar and learn how to play them upside down um, so, because I'd have to turn it around, and you know, you'd have the top string, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's very weird. But this is this is what left-handed people have to deal with on a right. daily basis. <laughs> There's your next podcast, left-handed issues. Yeah, yeah, left-handed <laughs> issues. But I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I love picking up a guitar. I love just playing music, and mm. you know, there's a lot of emotion mm. involved. I mean, just sit back in my chair. You just close your eyes and you just play you along. Just hang out. Yeah, yes. you do. Yep. And I mean, I've made friends, that, you know, just because of music. You know where, oh, yeah. you know you, you create a little group like oh you play drums we should get together you know and it's such there's a community behind it and it's, it's fantastic. So um, that's the third question. So we are going to jump into the last and final question and this kind of links into our first original podcast that we did last week, Christmas. So uh, guys, we've got what is it? One more week till Christmas Day or something like that? Something so, like that. Yep. Yeah. Might actually be it's it's less. It's next Tuesday. Next yeah. Tuesday. Oh, yeah. wow. So it doesn't less. feel like Christmas. I haven't really even thought twice about Christmas. It's oh, crazy. I feel like there's Christmas decorations in China, but it's kind of like if you were to Google, how do I decorate my store in the winter? Right. It just says that, but no one's talking about Christmas. It kind of just seems like, oh, that's what you do. You put a Christmas tree up. But it doesn't really necessarily, I haven't really been thinking about Christmas right, right. or anything. The, the thing is with one, our, you know, the, the the school that we're at is that we, we, we work up until Christmas pretty much. Yes. Right. You know? So there's no break in between. Well, that, that's fine. But also in China, there's no, I mean, you walk around China, you don't see all the festivities going around that right. you would see yeah. back home, right? right. Yes, this so, is true. So there's a lot missing that feeling, that that mm. environment, you know, I guess it's like the, the ambience of it all, right? Yeah, that's um, it. I should get a tree. In yeah, you know, I, I've got my tree up. And I mean, okay. when I, when I got my Charlie Brown tree in it. Charlie Brown, yeah. nice. Actually, we talked about that in the last, last yes. podcast. Uh, I think it came up with someone's favorite Christmas. Oh, favorite Christmas movie. Uh, was yes. Charlie, Christmas, Brown. Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, so, uh, Lars, what's your Christmas plans? What are you doing over Christmas? Um, I will be flying home to Oregon for two weeks, and I will be enjoying the big chair. Um, I just sit in the big chair. I just fall asleep in the chair. I, that's that's my vacation. <laughs> um, uh, no, I'll probably go to the beach. Um, and I, I don't care if it's windy or rainy. Um, if you're from Oregon, if you're afraid of wind or rain, well, then you're in the wrong spot. Um, it, no, it's me. I, I go home, uh, go see my mom. Uh, she is my only family. So, well, yeah. Nice. Hi, mom. Hey, mom. Yeah, I'll be there soon. Nice, nice. And uh, Mike, what, what's your plan? I actually thought the break was only one week <laughs> until maybe Tuesday. <laughs> so I, when I was... Originally, I wanted to go back to America, but I thought the break was only one week, so it didn't really make sense. But I accidentally found out Tuesday is two weeks. Uh, so, I mean, I don't really know what I'm gonna do. You know, this week was just given to me. I did not know that it was there. So I know I do wanna go to Chengdu and see pandas. Um, I might try to learn how to ski at the mountains. I guess at Kinling Mountains. And other than that, 
Uh, I guess I'm just gonna have to figure out what to do with all this extra time that I had. Right. Did not know it, that it was there. It's just like this gift of a week has been given yeah. to you. It's like an early Christmas present. I think the worst part is if I wasn't in that meeting at that time, I think I would have shown showed up on <laughs> whatever the Monday after Christmas was. I definitely would have been outside waiting for the like bus. Knocking on the door. <laughs> yeah, I would have I probably gotten the DD to school. Where did everybody go? Yeah, yeah that would have been a little embarrassing, I suppose. But hey, well, these are, so, so you're staying in China then? That's the yeah. Point. I'm gonna be staying in China. That's nice. I, I mean, staying in China is, is also nice. There's plenty of places to go. You and know, I mean, just came here, right? Right. But you've got two weeks to explore it now. Yeah. You know, your free time and Chengdu sounds great. I do and recommend and Chengdu. Travel is cheap you know? too. So. It is. Yeah, yeah. You know, traveling city to city is, is really cheap. You get really mm -hmm. good good pricing right now. But I, I re recommend Chengdu definitely. I heard Qingdao you can as well. pay and play with a panda. That I don't know. Because I would love to pick one up and hold it. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe a ba it must be a baby list. one, though. Yeah. Because like, a, a grown one could, could, could kill, kill a man. You. <laughs> I, just, I think I've heard that they're too lazy to like put forth the effort to hurt you. Maybe. But they yeah. could. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. just don't feel like it. But still, yeah. yeah. Baby pandas only. Well, babies. I'm sure if you give them some bamboo, they'll be happy. Yes. So, uh, I'll yeah. buy some at Metro. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh thank you all for joining us uh this is a, a great podcast all about music so i want to say thank you to our guests thank you and uh, thank you. guys join us next time for another podcast hey thanks for joining me your host chris parker and a big thanks to our special guests mr lars jefferson and mr michael skillen and remember to subscribe to our podcast at tededtalks.com. We hope to see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.